0: If we could have a couple banks of lights off, we'll get started here with a study of the full deity of our Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus is Jehovah. We believe that, and we want to establish it from Scripture as well as we're able. The first thing you ought to remember is the study we had back in May. It's already been seven months since we went through the Hebrew Tetragrammaton and learned about the name Jehovah. And how it came to be. Is Jesus God? Is the question we want to ask. The Jews say he was not. The Jews said he was not. And they still say he was not God. Jehovah's Witnesses say that Jesus is not God. Unitarians say he is not. A Unitarian is someone that believes there is not a Trinity. There is just one God. There is not three persons. There is one God. One person. And Jesus is just a good man and a prophet. He is not God. Muslims say that Jesus, though a very important messenger and prophet, and though coming again to judge the world and to destroy some sort of an Antichrist, all of which they teach in their Koran, say that he is not God. What do you say? What do you know about the Lord Jesus Christ? Is he God? Who are the Jehovah's Witnesses? Charles Taze Russell started them in the late 19th century. Judge Rutherford took up when he died. He died. And the deluded followers of these two false teachers are the Jehovah's Witnesses. They deny that Jesus is God. What do they look like? They look like this, assaulting that poor woman who came to her door thinking it was a neighbor or a friend, and it's Jehovah's Witnesses trying to shove watchtower publications on her. What do I say to them when they come to my door? Do not answer the door is an option. Second John chapter one verses ten and eleven tell a lady there that she should not bid them Godspeed nor invite them into her home when it's a woman. Take apart their Bible with Second Samuel twenty one nineteen and Mark one two. Their Bible is the New World Translation, and it's got the corruptions and some extra ones of all the Bibles that we have dealt with before. Take apart their founder for all his false prophecies, and there's lots of websites listing those for you. You're unlikely to ever convince them that Jesus is God. They spend all their time reinforcing each other that Jesus is not God and they have corrupted their Bible so that the verses that you would want to go to have been corrupted and are very difficult to prove that Jesus is God in their Bible. Do not debate the Lord Jesus Christ with them and let them trample him under their feet. Jesus said that in Matthew chapter 7 and verse 6, not to give that which is holy to dogs or cast your pearls before swine for two reasons, lest they turn and rend you and trample your precious things under their feet. Do you know what you believe? They know what they believe. They believe that Jesus was not God. Do you know what you believe? Jesus once asked the Jews, What think ye of Christ? They said, He is the Son of David. They were right. But Jesus wanted to ask them to go a little further. Why did David, by the Spirit, call Him Lord? When it says in Matthew chapter 22 that David, by the Spirit, called Him Lord, it means when he was inspired. When David was inspired in Psalm 110, why did he call Him Lord? They could not answer Him. They feared His wisdom and they durst not ask Him any more questions or deal with Him any further after His answer. Jesus was David's Lord because Jesus was David's God. Do you know what you believe? It only takes a little knowledge to believe something, quite a bit more to teach it, but it takes great knowledge to defend it. Can you defend Jesus is Jehovah? This short and simple study is to help you know it, that Jesus truly is Jehovah. If Jesus is not Jehovah God, then God is a liar For the testimony he made of Jesus in the Bible. Then Jesus is a liar for claiming to be God. Then the Bible is a false book for many statements that Jesus is Jehovah God. Then the prophets were liars for declaring it so in the Old Testament. And the apostles are liars for declaring it so in the New Testament. It's a serious matter. Is Jesus God? Is Jesus Jehovah? If he's not, we have some serious problems overwhelming problems with our whole religion. Foundational axioms. An axiom is a rule that we study by. First of all, we look at the Bible. Truth about Jesus can only be known with the Bible. You can know that there's a Creator God by a five-month-old baby that's growing up in your home, and by roses and stars at night. You can know there's a Creator God with eternal power and Godhead, but you can't know about His Son, Jesus Christ, It only comes by way of the Bible. Jesus told the Jews of his day, Search the Scriptures, for in them ye think ye have eternal life, and they are they which testify of me. We believe the Bible in English is the King James. We reject the confusion of Greek or other versions because we want an absolute authority in order to be able to define truth and rely on statements that are made in the Bible about the identity of Jesus Christ. The New World Translation, which is the Jehovah's Witness Bible, and the NASV, which was for many years the Bob Jones University Bible, both teach a begotten God in John 1.18. We don't want to deal with translations, versions, manuscripts, in any language that would have such a ridiculous statement as a begotten God. Right. Jesus is not a begotten God. Jehovah is not a begotten God in any sense of the word. Amen. Foundational axioms. We are monotheists. That means we believe in one God. There is only one God, period. See Deuteronomy 6.4 and many other places in the Bible. A very fundamental position and doctrine that we hold is there is one God. The one God will not share His glory. Amen. The one God could find no other gods and no other saviors. Isaiah 43, 10, very important, brethren. If you're right. following along with me, once you establish a few of these axioms, the rest of it falls into place easily. Right. Sort of like falling off a log, as we say. Amen. The New Testament declares the same as the Apostle Paul takes up the language of Moses and declares it to still be true in First Corinthians chapter 8. There's only one God. There is only God, Jehovah by name, and Jehovah by nature, where Jehovah means I am that I am. Foundational axioms. The Trinity. We absolutely believe the Trinity by 1 John 5-7. And see, our King James Bible stands or falls with 1 John 5-7, and 1 John 5-7 stands or falls with our King James Bible. If you're going to depart from the King James Bible, you don't have 1 John 5-7, because no other Bible has it. And, but we believe it. We right. believe that God has put His divine stamp of approval on the King James Bible, and thus on 1 John 5-7, with 400 years of fruit. And you would need to go back and see the study that we did about proving the King James Bible, when we looked at faith in the promises, we looked at the fruit as the evidence, we looked at internal facts and the fools that deny it. First John 5, 7 says, There are three that bear record in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost. And these three are one. Amen. Now that is a nice Trinitarian declaration. They can say it was spuriously added to our King James Bible, but what are they going to do with the hundreds and of places where they've had additions and deletions in their scriptures. We have Bible evidence of God endorsing the King James Bible with fruit for 400 years, and 1 John 5, 7 occurs in many of the patristic writings in the early church long before Erasmus in the 16th century. We absolutely believe 1 John 5, 7. We don't find it contradicting the rest of the Bible. We do not believe the Trinity by church councils or otherwise. We couldn't care less that Catholics might believe some form of the Trinity because their form of the Trinity we don't believe. They believe that God is not begotten, the Son is begotten, and the Spirit is proceeding from them both. We deny that. We believe that the Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost are one. None of them are begotten. The plurality is clear from the beginning in Genesis chapter 1 and verse 26. And God said, let us. This plurality continues in the Old Testament, Genesis eleven seven, regarding the Tower of Babel. Let us go down and see what the children of men are doing. Isaiah chapter 6 and verse 8. Who will go for and whom shall we send? It is repeated in the New Testament, Matthew chapter 3, when the Father uttered His voice from heaven upon the Lord Jesus Christ that was the Word made flesh in the water, and the Holy Spirit descended like a dove upon His head. Three, but one. Foundational axioms, the incarnation. The word incarnation is just a big fancy word for God becoming human. Jesus coming into existence As the God man, Jesus is a man by his conception in a virgin's womb. There was a young woman named Mary. She conceived, got pregnant, her belly swelled. She gave birth to a baby nine months later. Jesus was a boy. Jesus was a young man. He was 12 on one occasion. He grew to be 33 and a half years old. He died. He rose from the dead. He ascended into heaven and he sits at God's right hand forever. He is a man. Jesus is the Word of God made flesh, John one fourteen. He is called the Man, Christ Jesus, in First Timothy two five. For there is one mediator, one mediator between God and men, the Man Christ Jesus. Amen. He was made just like us. He took upon him the form of, in the likeness of sinful flesh, according to Romans eight three, in Hebrews two fourteen. He took upon Himself flesh and blood as the seed of Abraham. His Godhood nor His manhood were compromised by incarnation. We don't believe that He was less of God, less of the Word, and less of being God after He was incarnated than He was before. And because He was God, He was not less of a man. He was tempted in all points like as we are. He had every desire of the flesh and of the mind that we would have, but without sin. These are foundational to us. The Bible, and the one God, and incarnation right here. Who is Jesus of Nazareth? He is a man, but He's not only a man. He's not just a man. He's more than a man. He is a good man, but not just a good man. He's way beyond that. He is a prophet, but he's more than a prophet. And some of these religions will say that Jesus is a prophet. He was a good man, but they won't say that he's God. He is the Son of God, but he's not just the Son of God. He's more than the Son of God. He is Jehovah in the flesh. Jehovah as a man is the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's go look at some proofs, and I hope that you'll remember some of these, and you'll have this on our website to be able to refer to if you want to in the future. We're only going to look at ten. There's many. They get more and more obscure as you go further, but they're still there. There are so many ways in which you can cross-reference and cross-index the Bible, where prophecies are given in the Old Testament and statements made in the New, that when you compare the two, it's obvious that Jesus of Nazareth is the God of the Old Testament, is is Jehovah, the God of Israel. Let's look at Matthew chapter 1 and verse 23 as our first one. And it is from Isaiah chapter 7 and verse 14. Behold. And that word is there for a good reason. You're about to read something that's very unusual, very special, and earth-shaking. Behold, a virgin shall be with child. A pregnant virgin. Behold is an important word. And shall bring forth a son. It wouldn't be a daughter. It would be a son. A male seed coming from a virgin. And they shall call his name Emmanuel. This is Matthew one twenty-three, quoting Isaiah chapter 7. Which being interpreted is, and this is where the Bible is so wonderful, in that it gives us the interpretation of Hebrew or Greek words for us by the inspiration of God. What is the interpretation of Emmanuel? God with us. Amen. So a virgin would be with child and bring forth a son and he would be called Emmanuel because he would be God with us. God on earth. God dwelling among men. God as a man dwelling on earth. There is only one God. Jehovah, I am that I am. Didn't we already establish that? Once you establish some axioms, like that we're monotheists, mono meaning one, monogamy means one wife, monotheist means one theist, or one deity, or one God. Once you establish that, and the Bible says God, then we know it's only talking about one being. The God of the Bible, Jehovah. This virgin born child and son is Jesus because two verses earlier in Matthew 121 the angel had told Joseph and thou shalt call his name Jesus then explaining that Jesus is the fulfillment of Isaiah 7:14 with the name Emmanuel Jesus is Jehovah Right This is very simple But for those of you that know this inside and out and could present it better than me, remember that we have children sitting in this audience that I want them established in these facts. They don't need to fear a Jehovah's Witness. In fact, I just told them how to avoid getting into an endless debate about the deity of Jesus Christ with a Jehovah's Witness. It is not worth it. They don't deserve it. When they show a little bit of repentance for carrying around a trash Bible called the New World Translation, or they repent and rail on their founder, Charles Taze Russell, then we will talk to them about Jesus of Nazareth. Until then, they don't deserve it. They're blasphemers. Listen, when you start messing around with the deity of the Lord Jesus Christ, you are a blasphemer. And you are dealing with one of the most important doctrines of the entire Bible. And we don't play games with it. And I'm warning you about engaging them in a debate on that subject. Their Bible will not read the way you want it to. And they will not accept what you tell them, even if they were to agree to your Bible. They have not considered that their Bible is false. And if you're able to show them that David did not kill Goliath in their Old Testament and the quotation in Mark chapter 1 and verse 2, which comes out of Malachi 3, is ascribed to Isaiah, they might have their faith shaken. And that would be your goal of talking to them. But look at this, it's so beautiful. God with us. And there's only one God. Both testaments tell us there's only one God, and it's Jehovah, so that if a boy named Jesus, born to Mary, who was a spouse to a man named Joseph is called Emmanuel, meaning God with us. Jesus is Jehovah. Glory, hallelujah, and amen. Amen. How many Muslims are there in the world that deny that Jesus is God? 1.1 billion. Do you know that Jesus is mentioned by name in the Quran more than Muhammad? Do you know that they do have a respect for us? They call us the people of the book. Bible Christians, the people of the book, in most cases, we are to be shown some mercy because we regard the scriptures, which include scriptures given to Moses that involve the story of Abraham, of course, Ishmael and Isaac. But they deny that Jesus is God. They're infidels. Number two, Isaiah 9, 6. Some of you heard this on Friday evening with the performance of the Messiah at Furman University. For unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulder. He would bear the responsibility of ruling in the kingdom of David and the kingdom of God. That's what those words mean. And his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God the mighty God, the everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Only one child and son could fit this billing. What child and son was to come that the government would be upon his shoulder? It was going to be a son of David, and it was the Lord Jesus Christ. There is only one God. I'm sorry for throwing that in there again, but I want you to see how we reason very simply in the Bible. The Bible is not a complicated book. And the warning of the Apostle Paul is that we would not be moved away from the simplicity of the gospel. The gospel is very simple. Jesus is Jehovah on earth. There is only one God, Jehovah. He is I am that I am. And if this child and this son was to be called the mighty God, what other God are you thinking of? Since it's the with a definite article, and an adjective, Mighty God. The Jehovah's Witnesses, of course, alter this verse, along with most of the other verses, to just read Mighty God. They want that definite article out of there. Jesus is Jehovah. Glory. Hallelujah. And Amen. From Isaiah 9-6. If we go back and look at the Everlasting Father... Jesus is the Everlasting Father by nature. Because he's of the same nature with the Father. There are three, and these three are one. So in that respect, he is the Everlasting Father by the fact that he has the same nature. And there's only one nature of God. Another way in which Jesus is the everlasting father is he is our everlasting father in his divine nature by us being given to him by covenant as children. In Hebrews 2.13, he is going to say to his father, Behold, I and the children which thou hast given me. You know, sometimes he calls us brethren, which puts us as siblings, and God is our father. But in that case, he said, Behold, I and the children which thou hast given me. Jesus is Jehovah number three. And without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. Without controversy means you can't argue about this. The Apostle Paul is about to tell us some fantastic and wonderful things. And it's the mystery of godliness. Here is true religion. And it's not a mystery to us because we understand it. It's a mystery to natural men because they can't discover it. It's only known by revelation. It's only known because God revealed these six things. These six things are not difficult for you to understand. You understand them plainly, clearly. We love to sing about them and talk about them. But they were revealed to us by God. God was manifest in the flesh, justified in the spirit, seen of angels, preached unto the Gentiles, believed on in the world, received up into glory. Those are six aspects six facts of our religion and they're incontrovertibly great they're glorious they're wonderful and it's our religion and we know these things they're a mystery to the rest of the world but they're plainly revealed in the Bible and in the, f- the fulfillment of human history as Jesus Christ was preached to the Gentiles and believed that in the world now there's only one that fits this description Jesus was, manif- was the God manifest in the flesh Jesus was justified in the Spirit by His miracles and His resurrection from the dead. Jesus was seen of angels because He told Nathaniel, you'll see angels ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. Jesus was preached unto the Gentiles because that's what Philip preached to the eunuch in the chariot. Jesus was believed on the world, which is what you've done. And Jesus was received up into glory to sit at God's right hand. There's only one that fits the description. Jesus. There is only one God. Jehovah, I am that I am. So when it says God was manifest in the flesh, Jesus must be Jehovah, God. Every other translation of the Bible, except our King James, changes God to be He, that, which, instead of God. Small, you say that's such a small change. I know, they make hundreds and thousands of changes that size, but when you change a word like that, we're dependent on that word God because we know there's only one God and if Jesus is that one God, Jesus is Jehovah. Right. But there's been an attack against the deity of the Lord Jesus Christ from the beginning. And you can imagine who does not want him to be honored, obeyed, and followed and taught as God in the flesh and it's the devil himself. Right. That a man is God over him. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Glory. Hallelujah and amen. Jesus is Jehovah. Hebrews chapter 1 is quoting from Psalm 45. But unto the Son he saith. Now God is speaking here. God has spoken about the angels in the previous verses here, Hebrews 1, 6, and 7. But this time he's speaking to his Son. But unto the Son he saith, Thy throne, O God, is forever and ever. Wow! God calls Jesus God. A scepter of righteousness is the scepter of thy kingdom. This is what God, this is what Jehovah, calls his Son. But unto the Son he saith, thy throne, O God, is forever and ever. Do you know what the Jehovah's Witnesses do with that verse right there in the New World Translation? This is not a Bible comparison study tonight. I just want you to review and love the doctrine that Jesus is God. But do you know what they do with that verse? It reads like this. But under the sun, He saith, the throne of God is forever and ever. The throne of God is forever and ever. Instead of thy throne, O God, is forever and ever. Is there a difference? Does the difference make you angry? Does the difference make you sort of angry like Elijah? At Mount Carmel. right? If you had a sword and they were prophets of Baal and it was the Old Testament, would your hand be cramping up? Amen. Thank you. Good. Jehovah called Jesus God. Right. So if Jesus isn't God, Jehovah is a liar. Jesus is Jehovah. Number five. Out of Colossians chapter two, beware lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit. Charles Taze Russell, Judge Rutherford, and the Jehovah's Witnesses, when they get together for church, it's to figure out the best arguments they can raise to overthrow you believing Jesus is God. That's what church is to them. After the tradition of men, after the rudiments of the world, and not after Christ. We want to learn of the Lord Jesus Christ we want to follow Jesus Christ and the simplicity of his gospel. Right. For in him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. You know, when we go back, here is a warning beware. Beware, lest any man, there's going to be men coming that are going to try to spoil us. What's another word for spoil? When something spoiled, it means it corrupts. beautiful corrupts. We don't want our manners corrupted, we don't want our doctrine corrupted. Beware lest any man spoil you through philosophy, reasoning, outside the Bible, in the in the wisdom and learning of men, and vain deceit, after their traditions, after the rudiments of the world, and not after Christ. We want the Lord Jesus Christ, for in Him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. How much of the Godhead was in Jesus? This is a hard question. All the fullness. Is that a decent expression? All the fullness? You mean it's more than all and it's more than full? It's all the fullness. How much of it was in Jesus? All the fullness. There is only one God, Jehovah. So it says when the fullness of the Godhead dwelt in Him, it could only be Jehovah that was dwelling in Him. Jesus is fully Jehovah. Jesus is not just Jehovah, He's fully Jehovah. So we stand opposed to popular denominations, fast-growing religions, and one of the largest religions on earth, because we follow Jesus of Nazareth, and we maintain, teach, and defend that He is truly Jehovah God. Number six, in John chapter 8 and verse 58, when Jesus was reasoning with the Jews about Abraham, He said, Abraham, rejoice to see my day. And they said, you're not even 50 years old. Do you think you've seen Abraham? Abraham. Jesus said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Jesus is speaking, so he's in the first person, Before Abraham was, Before Abraham was, I am. He didn't say before Abraham was, I was. Which was true as well. Because he wanted to say a little bit more to those Jews. Yes. And there's only one more verse in this passage, and they took up stones to kill him. Because they knew what he was saying. He was Jehovah. Jesus did not say he was before Abraham. He used the verb tense, present, and name of Jehovah himself. When Jehovah spoke to Moses on the backside of the desert, on one occasion he said, Tell them I am sent you. And then on another occasion, in that same conversation, he said... Tell them I am that I am. Sent you full version, short version. Jehovah Jah. Amen. And Jesus pulled the jaw on them right here in John chapter eight. I love our Lord Jesus Christ. You're not even fifty years old. How could you have seen Abraham before Abraham was? I am. There are no verb tense mistakes in the Bible, brethren. Right. Did this same Lord Jesus Christ argue from the present tense, I am of, of being, when He spoke about the resurrection of the dead? Right. God said to Moses 400 years after Abraham, I am the God of Abraham. And so Jesus reasoned from the fact that God said, I am the God of Abraham 400 years after Abraham had died. That Abraham must still exist because God said, I am. Right. Jesus argues doctrine from verb tenses like that. And he knows what he's doing when he uses a present tense verb like this right here. And so we rejoice. Amen. Glory. Hallelujah. Amen. Jesus is Jehovah. He used the verb tense in name of Jehovah himself. The Jews understood perfectly. It's too bad the Jehovah's Witnesses can't figure it out. And they tried to kill him. Jesus is is Jehovah. Number 7. John chapter 20. We have a doubting Thomas among the disciples. Then saith he to Thomas, this is the Lord Jesus Christ in the upper room, Reach hither thy finger, and behold my hands. Stick your finger in the hole in my hands. Reach hither thy hand, and thrust it into my side. And be not faithless, but Believing. And Thomas answered and said unto him, My Lord and my God. Thomas was an apostle for three and a half years. Was he a liar or ignorant? Neither. He was an apostle of the Lord Jesus Christ. And God made a revelation to him right there to speak words full of truth. Just like he had to Peter earlier. There is only one God, remember Jehovah, I am that I am, and an apostle of the Lord Jesus Christ, those great messengers sent by Jesus Christ to preach the true gospel to the earth, said, my Lord and my God, Jesus is Jehovah. Number eight, John chapter one, in the beginning was the word. What book of the Bible does that sound like? Genesis 1.1, where it says, in the beginning, I need one word. God, God. in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. There's only one way that that verse can be true, that two are one because the spirit isn't mentioned here. Do you understand that? How can you be with a being and be that being? I love the Bible. Amen. Now, what does a Jehovah's Witness have to do with that? You've all been taught this so many times. I would expect Emma uh, will go a little higher. John will have her taught. Jonathan, excuse me, will have her taught soon enough. What does a Jehovah's Witness do with this verse? In the beginning was the Word. Will they allow that? Sure. And the Word was with God. Sure. And the Word was a God. Little a and little g. Now you don't want to mess with them and their Bible at your front door. Turn the sprinkling system on. And the Word was made flesh. This is that Word that was God. Was made flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory. The glory is of the only begotten of the Father. Jesus Christ of Nazareth is the only begotten Son of God. And he is the Word made flesh. In the beginning was the Word or God. Which is it? Thank you. It's both. Was the Word God or a God? As the JWs lie in the New World Translation. He's God. Jesus is Jehovah, Amen. proof number eight. Number nine, Paul wrote Titus in Titus chapter two. And we went to this passage on Sunday for our second sermon. We went to the 14th verse, but here we want the 13th verse looking for that blessed hope. We have something very exciting coming. Brethren, it's not a raisin. it's not a new car and it's not a new year and it's not a tax refund next year. We have something wonderful coming. It's the blessed hope of believers in the Lord Jesus Christ. The glorious appearing of who? The great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Look at what the Bible says. We are looking for the blessed hope and the glorious appearing. God is invisible. So whoever is coming can be seen. And He's described here as Jesus Christ, our Savior. But he's called here the great God. Paul wrote Titus about the second coming of Jesus Christ. And he called Jesus the great God. And there's only one God. So Jesus is Jehovah. Because there's only one God and his name is Jehovah. He called Jesus the great God. The only true and living God. Number 10. 1 John 1.1 That which was from the beginning. Now how old is that? That's eternal, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon and our hands have handled. Now, if you can see a being and hear him and look on him and touch him, he's got to have a body. And it's the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Right. And you know that from reading the rest of 1 John chapter 1. But notice what John calls him of the word of life. This is the same man that wrote John 1.1, 1, 1, In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. Right. That which was from the beginning, we've heard him, seen him, looked upon him, we've handled him of the word of life. And then here's First John 5, 7, For there are three that bear record in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost. And these three are one. The Word of life is equal to the Father and the Spirit. As in John chapter 1, where it says in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and the Word was made flesh, in that 14th verse, the Word is both God and Jesus. The Word is God, and the Word made flesh is Jesus, because God with flesh is Emmanuel, God with us. The Word, or Jesus Christ, or the Word made flesh, which is Jesus Christ, is as much God as the Father. Because the three of them are one. Jesus is Jehovah. Is Jesus God? The Jews said He was not. Jehovah's Witnesses say He is not. Unitarians deny it. Muslims deny it. What do you say? Jesus Christ of Nazareth, my Lord and my God, my God and my Savior, the great God, the mighty God, the everlasting Father, Emmanuel. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Heavenly Father, for sending your Son. God in the flesh walked on this planet for 33 and a half years and laid down his life for you and me, but rose from the dead and ascended into heaven and sits at God's right hand. His humanity is not corrupted, and his divinity is not corrupted. He is the eternal Word of God, and he is the Son of God by his combined dual nature of the God-man. He's our Lord Jesus Christ. Let's all stand together. Thank you, Heavenly Father. We bless and praise thy great and glorious name, O Lord Jehovah, the everlasting God, for thy son Jesus, who is God with us. Thank you, Holy Father, for the word of God being made flesh and blood, taking upon him not the nature of angels, but the nature of the seed of Abraham, that he might destroy the works of the devil and save us with an everlasting salvation. Mm -hmm. We thank Thee, Heavenly Father, that we know these things. We thank Thee for a Bible that has internal integrity and proves Mm -hmm. these things. Mm -hmm. And we pray that our children and our children's children will never depart from these things. Oh, Lord, help us keep our church, save our families, bless us to know this doctrine and to defend it wisely. We thank Thee for revealing it to us. It is incontrovertibly great. And we're thankful for every aspect of it. We love our Savior. We love the name of Jesus. We love the name of Jehovah. And we pray that you would cause us by your grace and spirit to live worthy of those names. We are the sons of God. Mm -hmm. The sons of Jehovah. Brothers, heirs of God, and joint heirs with Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. Go with us now, Heavenly Father. Teach us even while we're in our beds. Hold us back from iniquity. Humble us from pride. And teach us wisdom, discretion, understanding Mm -hmm. that we might please thee in all our ways. We commit ourselves to thee in this world and for the world to come. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You are dismissed.